It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. He's a coach, he's a broadcaster, he's Drew Remenda, and you're listening to The Drew Remenda Show. Welcome everyone to uh, what we've called now the bald truth with me, Drew Remenda, sometimes it's admitted. Uh, today though, I'll get to talk to a guy that I've been interested in talking to for a while. He is assistant coach of the San Jose Sharks in charge of all the video, Dan Darrow, double D as everybody calls him. How are you, Dan? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on, Drew, and I am not bald yet. Still have a few, a little bit of hair, mostly on my face, but that's about it. Oh, I, I wish I, if I could do, if I could look like you, there was no stopping me in my uh, in my broadcasting career, Danny. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Still no stopping you, George. Let's go, man. Let's, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more stuff without a doubt. <laughs> let's go um, into, let's just get right into it. Why coaching for you? You know, coaching for me is something I just kind of fell into. Um, I've always been around the game. Like my first job was sweeping floors at an ice rink. And then my second job was working in a Brownies hockey world, Detroit. And uh, it just kind of, uh, the game's been following me my whole life. And uh, by the time I got to college, I was fortunate enough to get a job with uh, uh, Michigan State, just working for their hockey team. And I helped out their video coach, I helped out their equipment staff, um, was able to meet a, a bunch of good great people that kind of got me into it and I was good at the video. So I was helping out as good with computers and IT and the guy there wasn't. So as I kind of grew old, that was my, uh, that was kind of what I did. And then after I graduated, I was fortunate enough to get hired by Norm Basin at UMass Lowell. And I was there for five seasons and we did a lot of great things and um, just kind of been following it from there and just trying to move up. You know, the only the only path that I had was through video, and it's it's been fortunate enough for me because not a guy not playing the game at a high level, I've been able to learn a ton. You know, that you learn so much from watching the game and um, watching the best players and seeing what they're doing, and that's been awesome for me just to to keep uh, evolving and learning. How did you get to San Jose? Uh, you know what? I got fortunate enough to meet Doug Jr. at a conference. And long story short, it's actually kind of funny. Charlie Townsend, who was the video coach in Worcester at the time, um, right. had to have eye surgery. So he's got he's got bad vision, and all he does is watch video a day. So <laughs> who knows of that? But um, no, he had to have eye pretty serious eye surgery to um, try and help his vision, and he couldn't do his job for thirty days. So um, when I was um, at UMass Lowell, Doug Dougie called me and asked me if I would like to help out Worcester for a month. So I went and did that. And um, from there, they ended up making the Calder Cup playoffs. And um, and then that summer is when uh, Todd got let go and uh, Pete came on and Pete was looking for a guy. He had, he had somebody in mind, I think. And um, Doug Jr. ended up getting me an interview. And yeah, the rest is history. Got had a good interview with Pete and I didn't know him from anything. And took a chance on me and it's really thankful for that. 
video is, of course, how I got into the NHL too, with uh, yeah. way back in 1991. Boy, am I glad I didn't do video. it when you did it. <laughs> the VHS and everything, dubbing back and forth. <laughs> I feel lucky with my little laptop. <laughs> Put the stop, start point in, stop point in. Yeah, it yeah. took absolutely forever. But what I enjoyed about doing video, and I really want to know what, what part you really liked, I enjoyed watching everybody else and breaking down all the other teams what's the what's the main appealing part for you you know what that is great i i think you learn a ton from watching other teams yeah. and what they're doing and you always picked up little things here and there i think the thing that i really like now um is just watching our guys and watching things that we've talked about with them and that they they do well and they're, they're they're getting better at every day and you can see they're consciously making an effort you know we have a lot of young players and watch a lot of video with them um and they they watch a lot on their own and just when we have those conversations and now you're you're having those talks and you're working on things and then something goes well for them you just you cheer for them and you're really happy about where they're at in their game i want to go into how much video you show these guys, but I want to go back to being a video coach in the National Hockey League now. As I said on the air many times, we know the real heroes of hockey are video coaches. Um, we know that you guys are the ones that are doing all the important work, um, said by a true video guy. So yeah. when we when when I talk, when I ask you, what is Dan Darrow's day like? Break it down for me. Um, first I want to comment. My mom really likes the shout outs. Just so you know, my parents are a big fan. So you keep that going. They will continue, my um, friend. They will continue. <laughs> no, I pretty, we appreciate that. Um, but no, my typical day on a practice day, I'll, I'll come in and, um, basically we'll rewatch the game around eight o'clock, um, the day after as a whole staff. And as we're doing that, um, we'll sit with Bob Bugner, um, uh, Johnny McLean and uh, spent a long time time away, and then uh, Johnny Mike away a week, and uh, and Mike Ricci <laughs> and uh, Evgeny Nabokov. The whole staff will be there, and and Boogie has a pretty good idea for what he wants to show from the night before. Um, but we'll go through it and say, hey, I want this clip, I want that. We'll talk about different situations, things we need to get better at, and through that process of watching all three periods, took us around an hour. Um, we'll end up just putting, getting some themes together, what we want to show. And then after that, we'll put that together or I'll put that together into a meeting, finalize it with uh, Boogie, and then he'll show that to the team around 1030. And then on the ice for practice at 11. How much video as a coaching staff do you show the guys? Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll watch the whole game. We'll probably make 70 clips, which is 70 to 100, and we'll probably yeah. show 10 to 12. Yeah. No no more, no less. So I think the biggest thing is, is trying to figure out, as a video coach and as a staff, what your team needs to get better at. Because there's a lot of games that you play really well, and sometimes you want to show the things that you did really well and show this is why it's working and this is our plan. And you guys stuck to it and that's why you had success. But when it doesn't go that way, it's trying to figure out, you know, are you close or are you far away? What you need to work on or practice that next day. And those are the things we try to key on depending on what situation we're in. Well, the, the communication 
is interesting to me with coaches now. And, you know, back when, when I was doing it a hundred years ago, we would show the mistakes. We would show the negative stuff. We would show you can't do this. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. And we would show six, seven minutes of it, mm-hmm. which is, as you know, an eternity. And now how do you guys, how do you guys do it? Is there more positive, negative? Is there more, is there more, is there more of a balance? And, and how is, how do you communicate the, what you're showing as to helping the guys grow in their game? Yeah, I think it all depends. I think if you go into, I know everybody, when the guys walk in in the morning and they play the game and we lost, they know whether or not we should have won that game or we should have lost yeah. that game. They know in that room already whether or not this is going to be a good meeting or a bad meeting. <laughs> and sometimes you surprise them with, you know, sometimes you surprise them with, they didn't play, they didn't play great, but maybe you, you just throw, show a couple things that a matter of fact, we got to get better at this. And maybe it's a, yeah. maybe it's a tape where you need to show, okay, this, this is why we didn't win. We didn't win enough battles. And sometimes as simple as it is, um, the game of hockey is one-on-one battles all over the ice. So if you don't win those, you're not going to have a chance to win that game. And that's, that's the biggest thing that we, you know, we, we focus on that as well as, you know, when things are going really well for us, we want to make sure that we're reinforcing the things that we're doing really well too. And um, as for negatives, we try not to get into a long, you know, yeah, long, yeah, long negative yeah. video <laughs> session with the guys. And, um, and for us, it just, we want to make sure if we're having those conversations, that's our last resort is to have one of those meetings. It's not our first thing. I think the game's changed. Players have changed. And for us, it's making sure that we have good relationship with guys that they're going to respond the next day. And that's the biggest thing. We play every other day pretty much in this league that you need, if you lose a game, you don't want to lose two. So you got to have a response and it's getting those guys in the right mindset to have that response. So whether that's a one-on-one conversation with our leadership group, which we've done, um, you know, a number of times, whether that's just a one-on-one conversation with certain players that, you know, need to have better efforts or whether that's reinforcing positive things with players that, Hey, Hey, you did this really well and showing them a couple of things individually, but there's a lot more individual meetings that go on, um, especially this day and where our team's at and how many young players do we have um, that, you know, we do every day is is a lot more of that individual attention, making sure guys are um, doing the right things. You are also one of the, I think, few guys that, and one of the few organizations that you put analytics into your video work. You just don't want to look at video and say, this is the way it is. You also analyze um, all the key points and stats and everything else that goes into whatever form of analytics you're using. Why is it important to blend the two? I think you have to. I I think as my job is, is pretty much a liaison to the coaching staff and to the players. And um, every, every day we're coming up with, you know, we're trying to figure out how this team wins. And I think what I've learned and I kind of started with Pete um, when he was here, we would go through the whole season and we'd show a pre-scout, and then when the playoffs came, he wanted to know, like, he wanted to know more things about that team. What I mean is he wanted to know why that team was good. And as simple as that question, why are they good? 
Mm-hmm. What do they do well? What do they not do well? And it's not so system. You'll understand this more than probably listeners. Yeah. Not just breakouts and forecheck or, or systematics. What are they doing? It's it's just how are they good? And a lot of that's personnel based, and that's that's what I've learned for pre scouts for me. We just need to know how they're good. If they're if they're doing the same things other teams are doing, then we don't necessarily need to show that. It's just more showing the most important things that why this team is good or how we can have success against this team also is very important to me. This is what they do and this is what we can do against them kind of thing. And then other than that, um, we find a lot of that through the analytics now. And it, Chris Boucher does a hell of a job and Charlie Townsend works right with him. Charlie will bring me um, kind of that overview of this is what this team is. Um, this is why they're good. And then I'll put together the final product to show the guys and, and present that to the team on the night before the game. But that's, that's kind of how our, our, our staff is working now is because if there's things I want to see, I'll ask for them. But yeah. the analytics will tell a pretty good story on, on how this team has success. And you kind of pinpoint from there. And then you can watch the video on those certain things and say, yeah, this is what they're doing systematically. This is how we can take advantage of it and things like that. So it's just another way to get to the, the same answer. I just feel like some, there's so much data out there now. Sometimes it's quicker too. And not to say we're yeah. cutting corners, but you know, I used to watch four four games before we played a team. And that's yeah, that's you know, a month and a half of hockey. If I watch video for a month, a month straight, that's essentially was twenty-four hours a day. That's essentially what I was doing. So you get to the same thing now, and there's a lot of good resources that we use to do that. I want to ask you about about that. I mean, I we used to, you know back in videotape days you would get get in early you would watch the game it would take more than an hour take about two and a half three mm-hmm. and then you, you would basically just be there all day go home and kiss my daughter good night and my wife good night and then come back to the rink and we we keep doing that do you ever get to the point where you just have to say okay enough i i've, I've got all the information i can or does analytics help you get to that final point um, I, I think it helps you get to that final point. I, I, I think it's, for me, it's, it's not, I still want to watch it myself. Yeah. I put my eyes on it. I can't just look at analytics and say, this is what, this is what they are. Because um, I think in my mind, hockey analytics aren't at the point where you can do that. Like where you can say that. I, I don't think there's a lot of, I still think you need to watch it. There's a lot of things that they generalize that are not quite exactly what you might think they are so that's why it's important you go go ahead and watch those situations that's why i'm lucky i have charlie on my staff to do that and then he can watch those situations he can bring those to me those 10 or 15 clips or 20 in in those cases and then i can then look at those i would still watch um, a game or two from that opponent opponent we're going to play and then um i put together a meeting from that and then obviously if we played them before any notes we've had on that, but it's, you know, it's, it's important for you to just to look at how the team's playing, I think. And then yeah. again, especially when you get into game 40 now that we're at or 42, I think it's just, it's great for us to know now trends. This is how they're trending. This is different than last year. This is you know, a new coach comes in. It might be, they might've came in a game 15. So you didn't really have a good feel for how they're playing or, any changes they might have made, 
it's all things that we look at, but analytics is a good key to just narrowing down your focus um, instead of looking at everything every game. I like to watch you guys on the plane because uh, people may know, will, will not know this, that you guys are working all the time. Like you're always working. You're, you're going between coaches and, and Charlie and everybody getting all the information and you guys are always continuing to refine and work on your craft as like the players. Um, the coaching staff to me seems like you have a terrific mix. Now, I, I used to all say this about, about this guy or that guy in hockey. Oh, he's a good guy. Oh, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And one, one coach that I worked for said, they're all good guys. Okay. The key, the key is, can you work together with them? But with the long hours you guys work, the importance of a coaching staff that is that cohesive and gets along that well is got to be, it's got to make your days a little bit easier. Does it not? Yeah, no question. I think, I mean, like, I think for any, any job, you have to have a rapport with your, anybody you're working with and you have to enjoy the people that listen, we go to work for nine months in a row or eight months in a row mm -hmm. with the same people every single day. If you don't, if you don't care about <laughs> that person or if you don't trust that person, then you're, you're going to be in for a long year. So for us, I love our staff. Everybody works yeah. extremely hard. They're all great hockey minds and John Madden. I've learned a ton from Johnny Mack, you know, great power play coach. Um, learned a ton from, and obviously Boogie's been around for a long time at his second stint as a head coach. I'm very fortunate where I'm at. And that was the biggest thing in my career is having, being lucky enough to be around really good coaches at an early age. Um, Norm Bazin was an excellent coach. I learned a ton from, you know, Pete DeBoer obviously is one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League. I got to learn from him. My first NHL job and now Bob Bugner and I'm around some great assistants there too. Um, Steve Spott every day, you know, when Hedberg was there, even yeah, getting to Bakoff and all these guys kind of give you a, little tidbits here and there and they can help you along the way and it's just learning they've had a lot of success in this league so anything you can pick up from any anybody um, of that stature is awesome for me so have they shaped your coaching philosophy or do you have one right now that this is what i believe that coaches do this is what we have to do this is what we have to be in order to be successful in our jobs yeah, I, I think every every single one of those guys, you, sometimes you learn what you like and you learn what you don't like. And the biggest thing that I've had to learn is that you have to be your own person, um, first and foremost. You have to be very genuine. Uh, you can't pretend you're somebody else. I can't pretend I'm Mike Babcock or Pete DeBoer or Bob Boone. I just, they guys see right through that and they understand that you're not, you're just make-believe. So for me, you have to be your own person. Uh, and secondly, I think you have to have a consistent message. And, and the biggest thing for us is we got to put team first. And that's that's um, that's why we've had a lot of success this year, um, probably more than people thought we would. And I think there's more to come for us. But in saying that, I I I know it's it's because we got guys that put team first, and we talk about team every day, and it's stuff for us. And the rest of the systems are all take care of that. Um, but I think if you, if you get a group thinking team first, that's the biggest thing you can do as a coaching staff because they'll, they'll want to play for each other and um, 
it gets really easy by the end of the year because you don't have yeah. to do much coaching. I think John Cooper said that <laughs> in the playoffs. There's yeah. not much you 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 get them going in the right direction, and then it's they're taking over, and it's their their team now. You don't really do much moving forward. So that's the easiest way to put it. Well, you must have experienced that in 2016, right when they when they went to the Cup final, and then and the other years when they, they did what they did is that it it can't always be about the guys behind the bench. Yeah, no question. I, I think like it, and Pete, I'll tell you too that that room, our room was ran by Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, and yeah. you know Brent Burns at that point for us, and Logan Couture then was a young leader. I mean that, but um, Thomas Hurdle was there, and we had a lot of great veterans on that team. Joel Ward was a big piece of that, and Paulie Martin, and even Justin Braun. <laughs> you can go down the list. We had a lot I love of great Justin. Bra- I love Justin Braun. Braun. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. Too. Yeah, um, well, we had a lot of great people in that room. And, that, the, I mean, like I said, we got that ship going in the right direction, and they kind of took it over from there. Um, that, there's a team that was really driven and wanted to win, and we're, I think, two games away from getting it done. And ran into, I think, Sidney Crosby is pretty good. Yeah, that guy's, but, that guy's teams do that to a few teams. Yeah, he does that every once in a while. <laughs> but, um, um, no, I, I, think, I think for us it's just making sure that, you know, We've had a lot of success here in San Jose, and I have been fortunate enough to be a part of some good staffs that had success. And it's just making sure that we're, you know, not dwelling on the past, but you know, we're getting it moving in the right direction. I want to dwell on one more past thing, and then a couple <laughs> more past things. Is there besides the the cup run? Is there one experience that for you best displays why you love coaching yeah i think being a part of that vegas game seven was incredible (laughs) it it was it was i still get chills thinking about it it was the most it was the closest i felt to being a player after game all the guys say like you can't sleep you can't do anything you you know what i mean and i i have I have so much work to do after a game. I'm looking on to the next <laughs> opponent, but after that game seven, it was absolutely bananas. And we had, I think there were, I don't want to get the night, at least one person had a heart attack in the stands and almost like <laughs> yeah, legit, almost they had to be resuscitated. So there was excitement there. And it was, it was one of the craziest things I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And it was just really cool to be a part of that game and be on the one, be on the right side of it too. But, uh, no, it was awesome. And a lot of people don't remember that Vegas came back and tied it and we had to win it in overtime. Barkley Goodrow hadn't played. Yes. And, yeah, Barkley Goodrow hadn't played. And was it a single overtime or double overtime? I can't remember. I just know Barkley hadn't played the entire. It was double, was it? It was double, wasn't it? It was double, wasn't so, it? So, yeah. I, I don't think yeah. Barkley played the entire first overtime, maybe one shift, and they didn't play the whole entire <laughs> second until they scored. So, wow. I'm just saving it for I'm that. Not, I was five six years removed from the san jose sharks at that time yeah broadcasting in canada and i was so excited about that like oh my god what is you're so excited and i you know i tell you what i knew when logan scored that first goal i I looked at my son said they're coming back you watch they're coming back here you watch yeah it was Uh, it was so cool i'm sure you've heard the story jumbo goes by the bench and said we're we're getting it we're doing it after they called that five minute major and he said this is it we're doing it so I mean, there's like I said, that's not coaching there. That's 
that's getting the guys, the guys are in the right frame of mind. They wanted to do it for themselves and that's why they played hard. They played hard for each other. And that's what they did. All right. I got to go to uh, your video challenges. The game seven against game seven against the Avs. Um, and you've had a couple this year. You're, for, what goes into your thought process on when a goal is scored? Do you immediately start looking for an offside or goaltender challenge? I mean, how do you, if you're not giving away too many secrets, by the way, but your challenges, how quick do you have to make up your mind? How decisive do you have to be? And do you ever question yourself? Yeah, I think you're, you have about 15 seconds to make that call. Wow. Wow. After the goal is scored. I think um, they want to drop the puck and you want to make sure you relate to the bench early enough where they can get the referees over. So, um, but when a goal is scored, I'm already typically looking at um, what had happened. I'm, I'm looking at right. the entry. And a lot of times this year, I believe everything, every call that I've made, I've already had, I've already told them to challenge before the puck went in the net because you have until the puck exits the zone to make that call. So I've already told them it's offside. So by the time the puck goes in, they knew that already and they could call the referees over. So offside is the easy one. The harder ones are the goalie interference, um, things like that. So yeah, because um, there's, there, there's such, a, all such an argument. It's a lot of judgment calls. Yeah, I all think. judgment, right. I still have, there's still some that I think should be or shouldn't be, I think. The biggest thing is just knowing it, knowing the rules. If the guy's in the crease or not, if he's in the crease making contact, it's pretty clear goalie interference. You're calling, you know. Yeah. If yeah. not, then he's he's not. But I think it's just making sure that you know I, the league puts out a blog every day, and I'm, I'm constantly looking at what's being called around the league and making sure that I'm, I'm up to date on things that are happening. So that way, if something similar happens in our game, I know know how they've called it in the past, and I know how you know, I would make that call then moving forward. Game seven it doesn't always work that way. But. You, were you nervous on the game seven against the Avs? Um, I was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the game seven one was, is interesting. Cause I, I noticed it's funny. I was watching a St. Louis blues game. They were playing somebody. I don't know if it was Colorado before we played them, but I was just noticed, noticing the bench. Um, the door was way inside the bench in St. Louis. Yeah. Or inside the zone, sorry. The door of the bench is yeah. way inside the zone. So when guys are changing, sometimes they're lazy, they call them outside. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really ever think about that. So the, actually, it's funny. The next series, it came up and I made the call and ended up, you know, fortunate enough, it went the right way for us. So, but it was, <laughs> it was, you know, you almost feel bad calling it because it's not really part of the play, but it's part of the rules. So you got to make sure you use yeah. that. Okay, do you get do you get like a bonus for that? I mean, does, does you know does the coaching staff buy Maybe, you dinner or something like yeah. that? Or is it... oh yeah, I get dinners. Yeah, for build sure. it into your contract. Have, I, I'm gonna need you to be my agent now that you're pumping my tires so much on the air. That yeah, you can Don't you worry. can do that next time. Don't worry, I'm telling you, it's gonna we're yeah. gonna get you there. We have to. Um, let's let's talk about let's talk about you. Life away from the rink. You don't get much of it. You have, you go nine months and you're going all the time, especially video coaches. So what is life away from the rink for Dan Darrow? Yeah. You know what? Um, I love spending time with, you know, my wife and my dog. And, you know, this, this weekend we 
Yeah, sorry. I was going to say oh, this great, week. Great picture on great picture on on your Twitter account of your dog. What's your dog's name? Josie. Yeah. Josie. Like San nice. Josie. Yeah, that's what we yeah, yeah, love it, love it. So we ended up, yeah. So uh, you know what? I, I just like getting away and turning turning things off. You know, that's been the biggest thing for me is trying to step away and, um, you know, not not look at your phone, try to not look at email. That's probably why it's taking me so long to get back to you. But it's um, for me, for me, it's just trying to turn things off. So I I'll go play golf. I, I like golfing. Um, like this weekend, we went um, down to Sequoia National Park and drove around and I actually stayed the night there and um, with some friends and just kind of hung out and saw what there was to see and did a bunch of road trips this summer and, and great to kind of see the country, especially travel with family. It's it's awesome for me. So besides your your lovely wife and your dog, what motivates Dandero? I want to be the best and no I want to be the best at what I do, no matter what that is, whether that's coaching or, or being a video coach. I always, I always felt like I needed to, you know, be the best at what I'm doing in order to make myself feel like I'm successful. Um, obviously, we all want to win the role I'm in. You only have so many, <laughs> you only have so many ways you can help the team. And then the rest is up to them. So just making sure that I'm, I'm helping the team as much as possible. I, when I had my interview with Pete, I told him I want to win a Stanley Cup. I want to help you win a Stanley Cup. And I still believe that. I want to win a Stanley Cup here in San Jose. I want to help Bob win a Stanley Cup, help our players, and just get him into the right um, – get him back in that spot. So, I mean, that's, that's my biggest motivator for me. Do you – do you uh, – when you're coaching – do you measure your successes and wins and losses? Are there other successes that you can, you can point to? Yeah, I think ultimately it's wins and losses, whether it's fair or not. Um, but right. I think you measure you as a coach, you know, how successful you are. If you get a group of young men to play the right way and play the way that, you know, where coaches are reaching out and be like, wow, you guys are really hard team to play against you guys really battle hard. Like you guys are really hard to play against. You know, we hated playing against you guys. Those are kind of the best compliments as a coach. Yeah. Um, but I mean, wins and losses, that's going to come with that, but you know, you're going to win more than you're going to lose. So I think, you know, the wins and losses, sometimes you're in a situation that's harder than others, but you know, if you got the guys playing the right way and people notice it, and I think those, those are the biggest things as a coaching staff that you like to hear is that the compliments from other coaches because your team's so hard to play against and they're playing for each other. You know, that's the biggest thing for me. That's to me, that's what this, this team is doing. Your, your team is doing, this is what the sharks are doing now is, is something that you, it was almost from, well, it was from day one, listening to the zooms and listening to Bob Logan talk that we care about the guys in this room. We care about each other. We're going to play for each other. These are the guys in this room. That includes the coaching staff. Those are that's helping us win. And when you have that kind of attitude, when they start playing for each other, and I experienced it a couple of times when I was coaching back in the nineties, that is a very powerful tool that, that I don't, I don't know that. I don't know how you can bottle it. I don't know how you can get it back, but it just seems to be something organic that just is a belief system in each other. And then what the coaches are selling as well. Yeah, no question. I think the 
the biggest thing you said, you mentioned our best players there. You know, Logan Couture yeah. is bought in. Tommy Hurdle's bought in. You know, all of our players from the top down have bought in. Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, all those guys are moving this in the right direction. So without their support, we have, we're nothing. But I think for them to buy in and do things harder the hard way right now and, you know, block shots and play hard mm-hmm. defense and be a hard team to play against and, you know, forecheck when you have to. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing that, that why we've had success is because those top guys that you mentioned have all bought in to playing, playing the way they need to play to help this team win. Well, I'll tell you what, buddy, let's leave it there. Thank you very much for joining me. I've, I've been, I was fascinated. I wanted to talk to you ever since our, our rides out to the, uh, the new park in uh, on the Island. I really got a little bit of insight on uh, Danny Darrell seems like a pretty interesting cat. So thanks very much for giving <laughs> us a little insight and behind the scenes and by, and don't you tell mom and dad not to worry that uh, that promo of you is going to continue to run all season. Oh, perfect. Time. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Drew. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dave. Yeah.